I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Have you ever been misquoted? Oh, I have. Rivals has arrived. All right, welcome to another episode of Rivals. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck. Recently, Jason, uh, there was Pac-12 Media Day, and there were a lot of stories, a lot of interviews, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, and then there was this. So Bradley and I, when asked about the whole BYU-Utah rivalry, the whole thing, you know it's going to come up, you know it's going to be talked about, mainly because it's the first game of the season for Utah, he apparently said this, and then it was later amended, but he said, there's nothing worse than playing in front of 60,000 sober white people. (laughs) So that was his quote, supposedly, about going to Provo, Utah. Kind of funny. I mean, I'm a BOU guy, but it was kind of funny. (laughs) And playing. But but it lit Twitter up. Right, right. People just went nuts. They went crazy about it. And it wasn't... um, it wasn't too well received. So the person that did this was a, I guess, an online blogger for USC or for whatever, and and they totally totally manipulated words and oh, and, and conversation and context. Yeah, because here's actually what he said. For the record, but all jokes aside. It's a cool environment. Lavelle Edwards Stadium has a lot of history. My uh, coach Kyle played there. My dad played there. It's been it's a big place, and the energy there is different. It's a fun place for any uh, away game. It's yeah. as fun a place as any away game. So oh, that, absolutely, that was totally you know. So so you know, it's like yeah, why do we care? You know about playing in front of a bunch of. You know, sober white people, but you know, in all reality, I mean, it's an amazing place. It is. And, it's different. And, and it's so unique. They just grabbed a little soundbite, a little bit of a clip, but they didn't really just butchered him. They didn't really put the whole thing into perspective. Yeah. Now, I, I, I want to. There's a couple of things I want to go with this. First of all, um, when you're playing your rival, would you ever even? Like halfway say something that could be taken out of context. Absolutely not. So, so you, so you would never, yeah. you'd never bring up sober white people, right? No, it, no, it, you're so was, careful. Even if it was just a tiny bit of your conversation, right? I mean, how many times do the coaches line us up in the team meeting room and tell us, right, how to talk to the press, what to say, don't say anything controversial, don't give any fuel to our opponent, right? You know, be smart. And if somebody's really bad with the press. You know, it burns the team a couple times. Coach isn't going to let them talk to the press they anymore. Just, they just get, <laughs> get out. The player press pass has been removed. Yeah, you, exactly. You put a muzzle on you, and you're no longer allowed to talk to anyone. Exactly. In fact, you can't even talk to your own teammates. You can't even talk to – yeah. <laughs> this guy's a loose cannon. He doesn't get near the press. But, yeah, you're so careful. I mean, but the, but you got to watch your back. You and I both know – you know, you have some great press guys out there that, you know, are just common sense and take care of you and don't try to get you. 
But there's a lot of I'm going to get you guys out there and yeah. gals. And, that, and I want to talk about the yeah, I want to talk about that in the next segment about the the motivation of some of these media people. Oh, but but if you're you. if you're a BYU player or you're a BYU fan and you and you read this because initially it came out as that's all he said. So so right. let's just say you take the first part. The first part without knowing all of it. How do you how do you embrace that? Cuz you kind of your initial reaction when I read it was kind of joking, like, well, there's kind of some truth to that. It's but, kind but, of funny. But, I mean, but, but how do you take it? it? But how do you take it as a BYU fan, knowing that this is the rival game and it's coming up? Let me let me put it to you differently. How do you take it as a BYU football player? Right. Are you offended by this? Does it motivate you? Or are you fired oh, yeah. up by it? Oh yeah, because you're you're seeking to be motivated, right? As a football player. So I, I let's break this up in a couple pieces, right? As a fan. You know, I, I would have been offended, no doubt. As a fan, you know, I'm like, okay, there's some more crud coming from. So does, you know, does Utah. Bradley and I just get the wrath but, of all the BYU fans? But, I mean, are they going to throw uh, oh, cougar tails and go, tortillas as he walks out of yeah, the locker room? Cougar tails and yeah, yeah, the the real bad BYU well, stuff. What I want to know is when the but, when the greeters oh, boo him. Wait, I'm when sure the, when the greeters when the greeters meet the team long before anyone shows up and they all go welcome to BYU. Are they going to say that to Bradley and I? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You never know. I mean, I, I was up visiting the bishop. Uh, wow, the bishop. There goes my church side. I was up visiting the governor's pa- uh, mansion up here when I won the Outland Trophy, and some University of Utah kids drive by, start honking, and put the bird out the window, flipping me off. And I'm like, there you go. So the worst he's going to get at BYU is he might get a little stare from somebody, but he'll, he'll be treated well. They'll be treated well. But the fans the fans are upset. The players, I would absolutely eat it up. And I would take, as a coach, I would take that first part that didn't show all of it, and I would put it up on the board. Okay, so. Absolutely, I'd play so that So the up. first part comes out. Everyone is up in arms. They're just, yeah. oh, this is terrible. This is yeah. awful. Now the rest of it comes out. Now the real story, the rest of the story comes out. Now how do you feel? Yeah. You know what? Um, you, does it change your perspective? Yeah, at all? it does. I mean, my gosh! And the longer you play, and the, all the years in the NFL, and what you and I went through out there, which is a lot crazier. I came back. And I'm like, yo, it's kind of a funny. You got to be able to laugh at yourself, I think. And you know, it was kind of a funny joke. Honestly, it was like, yeah, I own that. I don't drink. I'm never drunk. BYU is, you know, kind of sober. So very sober, yeah. right? I'm, I'm okay with that. It was actually kind of funny, and it, I think it's a compliment if you look at it right. Because we're BYU, we're proud of being sober. I mean, that's our place, and we're proud of not drinking. And and so I'm like, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was kind of funny, you know. But uh, you can use it. I mean, definitely, you're looking for any angle as a coach. I'm telling you, and I'm guilty of it as a player, and I want that right. I'll be even though even though I see all of it, I'm still kind of like. So we so we kind of hear what we want to hear. <laughs> hear what you want to hear. We hear Especially what as we a player and coach, and we, man. And we want to promote whatever whatever fits our agenda and whatever what helps, helps us, us get ready yeah. for the game. Um, interesting take. See, see, I was, uh, and it was kind of shocking to me. I interviewed Bradley and I. Yeah. And we we've interviewed him for our show. Yeah. And he was like, I mean, you talk about really nice young man, sober. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was a very, very well-spoken, very thoughtful, almost quiet and shy. He was great oh, at Mac, yeah. Pac-12 Media Day. Great guy. I, I mean, I know so I was, know his dad personally. I know his uncle Robert, you know, and I personally. 
friends with all of them. You know, they're a great family, and is, he's a great young man. I mean, he, he got he just got caught on one. So it, you're right. It's it's shocking when you first hear it. Yeah, and then you're like, oh boy, he really stepped in this, and it's going to fire up the BYU folks. But I was curious, was when it came out the whole context of things. Uh, that does that change people's perspective from the other side? I think it softens a it a little bit. bit. I think it softens a little bit. You know, it's it, it does. But you got to, as players, these young players got to realize, you know, because they haven't had the experience. And the press in Utah is pretty friendly, right? You don't you don't they have are. a lot of. And this this was a blogger from Los Angeles, right. so they understand what's clickable. And, so all of a sudden, you show up at other cities, yeah. USA, and those people want to write an article, and they take one line out of your interview you know and then place it in the middle of the article the way they want to write it it makes you look bad and then you become really defensive right in your interviews because you don't want to give them any of that when they're going to go out there and just slay you with it i had one happen to me i want to hear it when we come back from the break okay i want to hear i want to hear the time that you stepped in it (laughs) (laughs) a little bit i was pretty good stepped in the doo-doo Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. All right. Welcome back to Rivals. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck. Talking about, I guess, stepping in the doo-doo. Stepping in the doo-doo. But actually, you didn't do the doo-doo. Right. And it was just taken out of context. Yeah. Yeah, you just, it was just a do. Just like, a, just yeah. a do, yeah. but you know I was pretty good at the media, and but, but but was there was there ever a time when you just really messed up? I had in college, I had one kind of where I got called into the office by Dick Felt because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come clean here. Okay. I would see you or perceive you as a guy that would step in it all the time. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness, yes. No, yes. I, did. I was never got busted controversial. NFL, I was really good. Uh, I'm trying to think. But the college, there was one time a, a reporter was interviewing me, and he's just like, he just threw it out there like, you know, you, your defense is pretty straight up, you know, and just you guys play just straight up football, don't disguise a lot of things, don't blitz very much. And uh, I was like, he goes, do you wish you'd, blitz more do you think you could blitz more and i was like yeah i guess you know yeah you probably blitz more than we do i mean and i'd be fine i'd like to so he builds this article around you know just kind that of that comment right that there. comment yeah. and dogging the the defense and man i'm like dick felt's my d coordinator and and i'm super close to dick right and have a I think the world of him 
but then at that time I'm in college. He calls, he calls me in the office. And he goes, Hey, Jason, tell me about this article. <laughs> I'm like sitting here on the hot seat, like with the D coordinator. Cause he just called me into his office and I'm like, I just kind of like really surprised. Right. Cause he's like, well, Hey, you know, this guy's kind of slamming me and taking this angle at going after our defense thinking we, so how'd you say that? And I, I just explained it to Dick, you know, well, man, I didn't think anything of it. He just asked me if I'd like to blitz more. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'd like to, I think we could do some more of that. You know, just non, just not think about it. And Dick was way cool, ex-NFL guy himself. And he's just like, yeah, that's what I thought it was. They were just taking an angle to try to get at me and they were using you. And, and that's all the farther it went. But at the time, getting called into the D coordinator's office, you're, you know, sweating bricks. But that was really my first experience of a but he reporter really, abusing me. He really me. called you in for that? Yeah. Yeah, I had that almost, conversation. When I hear this, I almost feel like maybe he was a little bit sensitive about the whole subject in general. Yeah, he was a little sensitive on mo- it. most coaches, uh, they, I think they kind of ignore some of that well, stuff. Because they know the reporters are out to get you, right? Yeah. They're, they're asking the gotcha questions and trying to write their angle. And, and most people in football understand that, right? That you're just being careful. And you can tell when a player's just being a real idiot and just really blasting stuff out there and i i was i wasn't so yeah i was i was surprised and it was funny you know 20 years later or whatever dick and i are sitting at a blu football game and he's he actually said to me we we're sitting side by side and he goes you know jason i probably my biggest regret of all my years of coaching is that i didn't play you different that i didn't move you around so people couldn't just focus and isolate on you and run away from you and you know, double team you and triple team you and this and that. He goes, I wish I would have disguised you and moved you around more. And I was like, you know, I said, coach, that's okay. I said, you know what? You had three D linemen that get to the quarterback. You could drop, you could rush three and get to every quarterback and drop everybody else. I said, I mean, it was the easiest thing in the world to do. I would, I would, I would do that. So you know, what's hard for me was you, you were coached. You, you were, you were actually suggested and I'm talking about the NFL, to where you had needed to create a relationship with the media. Yeah. That was part of your job. Yeah. And part of your responsibility. And they want to see your personality. Right. So you'll get a lot of these players that, and it's almost a reversal, where the player or even the coach is manipulating the media. You take players like Chad Johnson, who was just outrageous. You know, he yeah. was so outrageous he changed his name to a number, right? Right. Ocho Cinco, right? Right. Which is which is odd in of itself. And and he was this personality. And and he was out he was just ridiculous almost to to the point yeah. where and, and as a player you kind of rolled your eyes at it and you're like, you know, give it a rest. You right. Know, Come on. Keep it on the field. Have the media a level. love it. They eat it up. They eat it they up. They eat though. it up. You become the conversation. You become, you know, the, and the good guys the lead in, do it right aren't the lead. Right. And so it was always perplexing to me that it was like they want personality. So I'm like, well, I'm going to share my personality. And I think I have, a, I don't know, a decent personality. I, I like to give you a hard time from time you to time. You think you have a great personality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe I don't. I no, don't know. actually, dude, you do. And, and so you, snarky. You, you start to share this personality. But that's part of in, a, in an NFL locker room. Is that is that ribbing that goes on? Oh yeah, right? it's just yeah. A, it's a, and you bring that out into public, kind of like what Bradley and I did. He goes, oh yeah, it's a bunch of you know just sober white people. Come on, yeah. that's and a it, locker room joke. It's just a right, to- right. And totally. You, and so you have to, you have to, you have to give them your personality. But as you mentioned earlier, there's so many people out there 
that are looking for any word. I mean, they will latch on to the slightest phrase, any word. They're not going to actually take into account your entire answer. They don't really want your entire answer. And and that was where what that was always the challenge for me because I wanted to give a very well thought out and thoughtful answer right. to a question, intelligent, and it was insightful, succinct. all those things, yeah. right? And what what you learned was they they're not really interested in the answer. They have an angle for a story, or they have they have something that they're trying to promote, right. and so you get these media people who really aren't listening to what what you have to say. And no, it, it came in with an angle. You're right, yeah. a very de- and, and predetermined it, and it, angle. And it gets it gets kind of challenging because you want to show your personality, but then after a while, you're like, I don't want to answer these questions because I get asked the same questions. It goes, it it blows up, and then you're you're ask you're answering and dealing with this. You know, coaches forever. are motor mad at and you. you. Yeah, and you're just like, so then you become vanilla. Yeah, and you're just like, I'm not saying a word. I don't care about yeah. any of this. I'm just like, no. Uh, and then and then they're like, oh, he's sullen, yeah. and he's sulking, and it's he's all, you're, you're defensive, right? And, they're, and so they're butted. It's a it's a weird relationship, vultures. a very weird relationship with the media and it how is. to deal with it. And you ha- you got to be careful. And, I got to tell you, you're, you're always going to step in it. You're always going to step in it, no matter what who who you are, whatever situation. Everyone here. Steps here's in. one of the funniest stories for us to go on. Lee Johnson, that you and I both know, punted for 17 years in the NFL. Right, and I uh, was my teammate at the Bengals and a BYU guy. So LJ, after he had been to the Bengals like, man, 11 years. I mean, he was like on four teams in three years at first, bouncing around, all of a sudden he's stuck with the Bengals. He's there for like 11 years. And he would have been there forever, right? And because uh, the Bengals liked him. But he, he did an interview midseason, and I can't quote it, you know, paraphrase it very well other than just, he slammed the Bengal organization like, of course the sands are empty or whatever. This is a, you know, this is crap. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, and you know Mike Brown, right? Right. So LJ, eleven year player, middle of the season, cut like like the week after the interview, like brought in and just cut. <laughs> it was all because he ticked off Mike Brown, sure, and the the GM and. uh it, and I'm just laughing. I'd heard I heard the interview, and I was laughing my guts out because LJ really stepped in it. And he'll tell you the story today. It was so funny. I mean, he went on to play another four or five years. You know, went to New England, and uh, you know, um, oh, there's another team in there. But he he played a long time. But he got cut from the NFL. That you know, just all on saying the wrong thing at the wrong, at time, the wrong time and ticking off, insulting the owner essentially, and he was gone. We're all going to step in it, Jason. We're all going to step in it. Even good old Lee Johnson. (laughs) Good old LJ. It was pretty funny. All right, this round of Rivals is over. It's over, and uh, we're off to our corners. He's Jason Buck. That's Scott Mitchell. Rivals has arrived, and now it is time to go. We are powered by kslsports.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Rivals Podcast or on Twitter at The Rivals Show. And until then, I'll straighten Jason out.